listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, good morning. We're so glad that you are with us, whether you're joining us online or in person. It has been an awesome uh, series so far. We kicked off last week looking at some of the main aspects of what we stand for as a church. We looked at the mission and vision, and we're going through the three aspects that we focus on. We're looking at grace, how we extend God's grace to the world. We look at growth, how we're called to grow as people and gifts, how we're called to use our gifts and be a gift to the world. But it all comes from our main statement, Ogden Church is a worshiping community seeking to glorify God and develop people into fully devoted followers of Christ. Glorify God, develop people into fully devoted followers through grace, growth, and gifts. This week we're talking about growth. Growth is crucially important. It's something that we all need. And you know if if you have seen children that they don't stay the same size. They, They grow over time. This is what is supposed to happen. It is natural. It is healthy. And sometimes, many times... It's painful, actually. Growth is. I was in a meeting with a lady in Chicago, and I got to know her fairly well, and she shared a story. She was talking about how busy her daughter is. Her classes, there was too much homework. There was too much assigned. There was too much to do, and she had a paper due the next day, and they were sitting there calculating the hours. What can you work on? How can you get it done? And they just decided there's just not enough hours in the day to get it all done. So my friend, who's the mother, offered to her daughter, hey, why don't I, to save you some time, write your paper for you? So she writes the paper for her daughter, and they turn it in the next day. She was furious because she got an A- minus on the paper for her daughter. And we ended up talking about that and processing it together. And she was wrestling with, is this okay? Is this not okay? Very clearly, it's never okay to write a paper for your child. Never a good decision. And she asked me a question. She said, well, what would have been accomplished if I let her fail? What, what would have been the positive outcome of her not doing well on a paper. Growth is painful. It is crucial for us as people to learn how to fail and overcome failure. Any sort of growth, if you work out, you're ripping muscle, you're going to be sore because you're growing as a result of the pressure you're putting on yourself. But so many of us worship the idea of comfort. We're willing to do whatever it takes to not be uncomfortable. And the result of that is a lack of growth. We don't grow. We don't push ourselves out of our comfort zone to say, what God are you maybe calling me to? What is next? Growth is crucial. 
and a healthy faith will grow. Your, your faith will cause you to grow if it is in a healthy space. Now, we know this is true. Again, with children, if you plant something and it doesn't grow, it's not healthy. You know that that's the case. We know this logically. But when it comes to our faith, it's so easy for us to just get comfortable and sit and get in a groove and coast. A healthy faith is going to grow. We're going to look at the first chapter of Colossians today. It talks about that healthy faith grows in wisdom, in action, and in patience. Wisdom, action, and patience. Now, before we get into this, this is why every time you hear me preach, you're going to hear me go through a passage of the Bible, verse by verse. Because this is God's word. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. And it is meant to pierce into our hearts and change the way we think and act and live. So this is our source. This is how we know who God is and how we are to adjust ourselves to him, not adjust him to us. Amen. We're going to start in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. We have not stopped praying for you that you'll be filled with all spiritual wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom right you know this we, we have a lot of very learned people people who have very advanced degrees but sometimes are making very illogical choices when we're talking about faith and what it looks like to apply God's wisdom to our lives, it's exactly that. It's applied. It's not just something that you understand, but you figure out how this works its way out practically. You could study every book about love, the concept of love, but be single your entire life because you don't know how to apply the idea of caring for another person. You're like, I understand all the concepts. I, I know what's supposed to fire in someone's mind when they fall in love with somebody, but, but I can't figure out how to have a relationship with another person. You can know a lot about something without being able to apply it. I know some of us, if you can think back into your life, the wisest people that you've been around, there's just something different about that. They're able to see through some of the distractions that are all over the place. And they can say, hey, look, this is what matters. I can take a wide swath of what's happened in the past and understand different sorts of concepts and then apply it to my current situation, understanding what might happen in the future. When we were in Pittsburgh, my wife and I moved there not long after the housing market crash that took place in 2007, 2008. 
And we had been renters up to this point, and we started to work at this church, and we went out there, and I had the opportunity to purchase the house that we lived in. And I remember speaking to two different people. I was very stressed out about this idea, right? Because a lot of people, and I knew some people, that lost a ton of money on purchasing their home because the value just got cut in half and then they're upside down in their mortgage. Like lots of negative issues. I'm stressed out about this decision. It's, it's coming close to decision time. You got to make a choice. And I talked to two different people. One was a real estate agent. The real estate agent said to me, it's like, look, there's some real benefits to renting. That is true. And said, look, I think you should just rent because you just don't know what's going to happen in this market. If you, you should not buy that house. You could lose your shirt and you're going to be in trouble for a long time to come. Some caution given. Don't do it. Don't go for it. And then... Later that day, I called a buddy of mine who was a financial advisor in the area. He had lived in Pittsburgh his whole life. I called him late at night in sort of one of my panic moments. And, you know, I'm trying to just get advice. Like, hey, I, I need your help. I, I don't know that many people. How can, can you help me think through, should we purchase this house? And he said, Brandon, listen to me. Like, Pittsburgh's not Las Vegas He's like, our values were never that inflated. They're never going to go that low. He's like, go for it. You should, you should purchase the home. It's going to be fine. We moved forward. We purchased it. It ended up being a huge blessing on our lives. Now, it, that's not to say it's always a good thing to move forward with the decision, but there are different people in your lives, and it is super important that when you go to seek advice, you try to pray about something and seek advice from other people. This is part of how we receive and understand God's will. We go to God's word and we say, okay, am I violating anything there? And it's like, well, it doesn't say like, don't buy a house or buy a house. It doesn't say that. So I, you know, I want to be cautious financially, but can we figure this out? And then I'm seeking godly wisdom from other people around me. And this man just, he knew, the, he knew things that I didn't know. He knew the market. He had seen ups and downs. Two people looking at exactly the same thing. Two godly people, by the way. One came up with a very different conclusion. You know, life is full of tons of decisions like this. Tons of ambiguous decisions where there doesn't seem like there's an exactly right outcome. And this is part of why we desperately need community. And we need to come to a place where I come to a decision like that and I say, God... I need your help to make this choice. I'm going to look at the circumstances that you've put around me. I'm going to look at your word, and I'm going to go to other people, and I'm going to say, hey, this is what's before me. I could go either way. But so many of us already have a pre-made decision in our minds, and then we go to people that we think will confirm the decision that we've already made. But here... We're told a different principle. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will. Through what? Through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives. So whatever decisions before you, whatever you're trying to do or decide to not do, 
You say, God, this is ultimately my will submitting to your will. And I will seek your wisdom over mine. Because you know what? There were some absolutely true things. At the time, I was super scared to buy that house. In hindsight, it seems like a slam dunk. That was the right decision. That was very scary. But God guided us through the darkness. That doesn't mean every decision you make is going to be financially successful. But we have guideposts. We have encouragement as we look to his word. We see what he's doing around us. And we involve ourselves in community. We can grow in wisdom. But not from a place of arrogance with pre-made decisions where we think we are always right. We humbly come and say, God, fill me with your wisdom and your knowledge so I can live out your will. We grow in wisdom. Next is we grow in action. Verse 10. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. This even the way it's phrased sounds daunting to me. I don't know about you. So that you may live a life worthy, I, I don't feel like I, I do that all the time, of the Lord and please him in every way. Listen to this language. This is like, this is the language you should never use in your marriage. Like every time you do this. <laughs> please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. As we grow in knowledge of him, we grow in ability to, ability to please him. When you know more, more about someone, you know more about how to live in order to care for the person. My children, my wife, the more I am around them, the more I will know exactly what I can do to love them well, to care for them. And as we study God's word and learn more about his character, we will see, God, this is what you desire of me. This is what I should do in this situation. Because again, life just isn't a set of like, yes, I, I do A, I don't do B. It, it just isn't as clear as super drawn lines that, that we feel good. Like, hey, I, I can stand here. You know, growing up, I, I played football, and where I, where I grew up, we started as freshmen, right? So you didn't play, like now they're playing like in second grade, they're playing football. Now, I, I didn't start till ninth grade. And I remember at first, we would do these practices. I'm going to talk about football now. I know this is painful for some people because there's not football happening. It's really painful. I'm sorry to bring it up even. But I, I would go to practice, and I'm learning the game. And my freshman coach would say, all right, Brandon, you're our strong safety. This is your job. You're supposed to be over top of the tight end on his side, and wherever he goes, you go. And if they run at you, you go after him, you, you tackle the guy with the ball. It's your job. And I remember just like saying, hey, this is my job. I do my job. And we would practice, and we would practice, and we would practice. 
But then there were certain exceptions where a coach would say, I know that wasn't your job, but this is what you should have done in that situation. So, so I become a, a junior and I'm, I'm starting <clears throat> on our varsity team. And we were playing a team that ran uh, a pitch play, which is the quarterback hikes it, runs out, and then can pitch it to the running back or he can continue on. This is a very complex thing for a defense to defend when you're in high school. And I remember the coach was like, your job, Brandon, every time that quarterback rolls out, you hit that quarterback, that's your job. You hit him, whether he has a ball or not. So I had a responsibility, go for the quarterback, hit him. There was somebody else that was responsible for the pitch man. That was his job. You hit him, Brandon hits the quarterback. We got both those guys covered. They rolled out, it was late in the game, and and the guy who was supposed to be responsible for the pitch man wasn't there. And I could tell he was gone. I was like, he got sucked up into the play. He, he fell for some other fake. And so I'm out there trying to defend two people. And so I, put, I split the difference in between of them. And he pitches it. And I went after the pitch man. Even though I didn't do what I was supposed to do, I knew what the coach wanted. So I didn't find myself in a place where I was like so rigidly saying, this is my job. This is my job that I missed what was right in front of me to help the team. This is the story of the Good Samaritan, basically, right? Somebody who says, I'm going to walk by this guy in order to get where I'm going. One of them trying to serve God. This is my job. This is my job. Misses what's right in front of them. There have been times where I'm trying to do, I, I do the year long Bible study. So I'll, I'll read a portion of the Bible at the end of a year. I've done this for years now. You've completed reading through the entire text of scripture. Imagine I'm in my basement. It's a Saturday morning. I'm going through my Bible study together. I'm in the first part of it. My son walks in. He's like, hey, dad, come play with me. I have a couple of choices. I could say, well, son, I have, to, I have to spend my time with God this morning. Or I could say, God, I, I can figure, I, I want to do that. That's crucial. That's important. And sometimes it's okay for him to see me choose spending time with God. But I also could say, look, the, the primary thing that I am called to lead in my life is my family. And I will not ignore my relationship with my son to feel like I'm executing on a task for my faith. Don't become so rigid with the rules that you think you're following in order to follow God, that you miss the beautiful opportunity that he may have placed right in front of you. We're called to grow in wisdom, in action, and impatience. I am blown away at this passage. Every time I read it, it's shocking to me the way it's phrased. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Strengthened with all the power, all of it, his glorious might. For what purpose? To conquer evil, to beat the bad people back, to bring the great news of the gospel all over the world. 
so that you may have great endurance and patience. All power so that you can have patience. Patience. Oh, man, if there is something that is missing from our world, from our faith, isn't it patience? Oh, my goodness. If you're, if you're a parent, you know, you know how hard patience can be. We all know this because you're on your way someplace and there's a surprising amount of traffic. You're running late already. You're furious. What? I got to get there. They're holding me up. We're not very patient people. You see, but God says, you can be patient because I will give you the strength to do so. And part of what we need to do as we grow is lift our eyes from what we're in to God himself. See beyond the difficulty that we have right before us and say, look, I will have great endurance and patience. I can focus on something beyond what I'm going through right now to grow in patience through this difficulty, through this challenge. Because I know God is at work in it. I, I remember in, in middle school, we do practices for various sports, and a few of my coaches wanted us to run a significant amount of time before practice would even start. So they'd say, hey, you know, you're going to run a mile, two miles, something like that, just to get the team in shape every time. Right at the beginning of practice, we'd run. We'd just run. Keep going. 20, 30 minutes. We're just running. I know there's some real runners out there. You're like, okay, it's not that long. For me in middle school, very long time. You know what I found as I was running is, is I would get on a straightaway if I was able to just focus on one point far away and just keep my eyes focused on that point. Running just became easier. I was able to run with ease if I was able to focus outside of myself. But the more I, I thought and focused on, man, this is hard, this is tiring, the more tired I would become. They've actually done studies. There was a study in 2009 that found runners become less efficient when they were told to focus on the movement of their feet compared to when they focused on their environment. When they looked beyond their immediate experience, they became better at running. So when it comes to our faith, are we so obsessed with, okay, my foot's supposed to land here, my foot's supposed to land here, or are we lifting our eyes to the hills to see, God, you are where my help comes from. You are my hope. You are my destination. This world is not my home. And when I see all of the brokenness around me, when I see people making choices and treating people horribly because they don't think a political thought that somebody else thinks, we can feel so broken down by these things. And if that's you, if you look around, you just see brokenness everywhere. Remember that we can be and have access to strength 
of God, according to his glorious might, the might that hung the stars in the sky, that creates galaxies with the breath, the breadth of his hand, that you might have great endurance and patience. You know, we don't give up. You know why we don't give up? Because Jesus didn't give up on us. Amen. And you know, I, I marvel to think about Jesus on the cross. And they're shouting at him, if you're the king, come down. Come down. Conquer your enemies and rule here on earth. And you know what he could have? Could have done all of it. Just a word. But he chose to use all of his power to hold himself there with patience and endurance for your salvation and for mine. Amen. All of God's strength, access to it as a believer for patience and endurance. I don't, I don't know what you're going through, but I, I know there's some heavy things going on. There always are in life. You probably think at times, I'm at the end of my tank. I don't know what I got left. And you might be at the end of your tank, but you're never at the end of God's being strengthened with all power for endurance and patience. And here we go. He concludes with these verses. 12 through 14. And giving joyful thanks to the Father. When was the last time you were just thankful? You just said to God, thank you. Thank, instead of praying, you know, God, I need this right now. Please deliver me from this. Take this sin away from me. Instead, we just say, God, thank you. Thank you for all that you've given to me. And giving joyful thanks to God, to the Father. Now listen closely who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness Amen. and brought us into his kingdom, the kingdom of light. You know, we're heading into a campaign year. And there's going to be a lot of promises made. No candidate can rescue you from the dominion of darkness. No matter what promise is made about who the light candidate is and who the dark candidate is, it doesn't matter who's president. To the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is not shaken by what happens in this world. And these are the things that he says about you. Like earlier... We could have seen something like, so that you may live a life worthy. You got to live a life worthy. 
which is true. We, we want to do those things. But here, he sums it up and says, wait, wait, wait. You don't qualify yourself. It's the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. These are the things that he says are true of us if we believe. And if you don't, if you're somebody that's like, hey, I'm still trying to figure out where I stand in my faith with God. These are the questions that we need to ask. Do you struggle with feeling like you're enough, with being enough for the people around you? Jesus has qualified you. He has given you value. Do you feel lost without hope? Jesus rescued you and can rescue you from hopelessness. Do you feel like you have no home? Jesus brings you to his kingdom. You can be home with your heavenly father. Weighed down by the sins and choices of the past. He redeems and he forgives. Redeemed, purchased, bought. When we were broken down by the slavery of sin, he redeems us and forgives us. You see, this is reason to joyfully give thanks, my friends. We give thanks to God. Because he is worthy. You see, if if you're stuck, if you feel like you haven't grown in, in quite some time, maybe it's because we're worshiping our own comfort. We're not willing to be made a little uncomfortable to step into a place where we say, look, I want to know more about you, God, so I can adjust my life to become more like you. And if you feel like, man, I, I could never be worthy, we must remember it's Jesus who qualifies us Because he was worthy when we were not. He was patient and endured the cross for our salvation. Let's pray. God, may your word seep deeply into our hearts. May the roots of your spirit grow deep in the soil of our souls. And may the power of your spirit allow us to grow and surrender more fully to a God that loves and qualifies and redeems and forgives and calls home and rescues. For those that are lost, may the hope of rescue be a light that pierces the darkness. May they know they are welcomed home by a loving father with open arms. We joyfully give thanks.
to you for who you are and what you have done. We love you, Lord. Help us to understand the depth of your love for us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Ogden Church. We would love to have you join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 10.30 a.m. If you would like any more information, you can find us on Facebook or at ogdenchurch.org. 